and welcome to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are having a wonderful evening. It is Sunday, January 11th, and we are on the air once again with a Sunday edition of the show. Uh, lots to talk about as this is, we actually got some early conference showdowns across the country, so certainly to plenty to cover as we tackle this show. Uh, let's go through some of the particulars, obviously, that you need to know. Social media and, of course, email how you can contact us right at the bottom of your screen at Twitter, at D, via Twitter, at D3Hoopsville, or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Don't forget also, you can email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Um, as far as guests coming up, we have three ranked men's basketball teams who will be joining us and one non-ranked women's team. Uh, on the men's side, number six, in no particular order, I should say, number six, Emery will be joining us. Jason Zimmerman, their head coach, coming off the big win at um, uh, at uh, Rochester, a tough place for them in the past. We'll also talk to uh, number 15, Babson, their men's team still rolling along, just one loss on the season in an interesting NUMAC race, WPI just losing yesterday. Not surprisingly to MIT, we'll get an idea from their head coach at uh, Babson, who will take on WPI later this week. Uh, also on the men's side, number 20, St. Norbert's Gary Gresh will be joining us here on the show to talk about his team and answer my question. After losing so much last year, what is in the water in Wisconsin? Talk to him about the success of his team so far this season. And then on the women's side, Cabrini Cavaliers women's basketball coach Kate Pearson will be joining us. You could almost call them the Giant Killers. They have knocked off a big-ranked team. They nearly have knocked off others. We will talk to her about the season that is so far on their side of things. So that's what we have for guests. We certainly have other things to talk about. Had some big games over the last week, and especially the weekend. Williams and Amherst taking each other on in men's and women's basketball. Hope and Calvin taking each other on. Certainly kind of maybe got an idea of what was going on in the CCIW, and maybe we didn't. Uh, things wide open across the board, to say the least. So, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's tough to say what is and isn't going on. Um, of course... Chicago beat WashU in men's basketball. So we'll be voting for another number one team in the land. Um, so one more step for us top 25 voters. The top 25 voting information is already out. I've already got it. It's sitting here right in front of me on my screen. Um, I don't think there's any undefeated team who's certainly in line for a number one vote, though Marietta may be. They were number nine last week. They'd have to jump ahead of a lot of teams to do that. And they've only played one game in the new year, and that was just yesterday against Ohio Northern, a game they won by 10. Um, Franklin and Marshall was certainly number 11. Who knows if they get any first-place votes. They survived at home against uh, Washington College on Saturday after beating Swarthmore easily back on Wednesday. Um, as far as that, and I think there's one other undefeated team, and that is uh, Chapman. And Chapman isn't even getting any votes right now. Or I shouldn't say, I should say, he's getting votes, just not in the top 25. So most likely we won't have an undefeated number one team. We certainly will have undefeated teams. Uh, we'll see how it all kind of 
plays out, as it were, from here on. Let's remind you on Sundays, we talk about the Northeast, we talk about the uh, Atlantic, the South, and the Central regions primarily. We'll certainly touch on other events as well that has garnered headlines. Again, Thursdays tend to be our East, Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, West, with a little bit of South mixed in as well. Um, starting... Um, Soon, we'll be getting our School of the Weeks rolled out. There tend to be a Thursday item. We will get one for you on Thursday. We have one in mind. Uh, of course, we have a little trivia fun with those Schools of the Week as well. Um, and usually a Coach's Corner segment as well. We haven't done a lot of those this year. We'll see if we can make up for that just a little bit. Those are normally on Sundays. We won't do it today, I don't think, but you never know. Uh, again, if you have questions for us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville, email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Facebook us at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Uh, we mentioned the Northeast once again, and certainly a lot going on there. Um, it's certainly plenty to talk about in some capacity or another. Uh, we'll just randomly start in the GNAC, Albertus Magnus, 11-1 so far. They're 6-0 in the conference, but only a game lead on Johnson & Wales. We've seen the cooking school hiding in the background before. New England, uh, the NESCAC, of course, uh, the leader in the clubhouse now is Trinity after Amherst uh, takes a loss in conference against Williams. Remember, their game they played Saturday is actually um, their conference game. The next game they play each other Wednesday the 21st will be their non-conferenced um, little three game between Williams and Amherst. Of course, Wesley and part of that three. So Trinity's on top. Bates is playing well. Bates beat Middlebury. Middlebury having... A rough go of it uh, after going undefeated has now lost two straight games. They won an ugly game against Plattsburgh earlier in the week, but then lost to Bates by four on the road and lost to Tufts by 17 earlier today. So Middlebury taking a bit of a sting so far uh, after a pretty nice start, though certainly not a very challenging schedule. Kind of a polar opposite of last year where they certainly started off with a bang, as it were. Uh, Bowden's nine and four. I mean, it's 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 a wide open race in the NESCAC this year. Again, Trinity two and zero, Bates one and zero, Colby two and zero, Tufts one and zero, Wesley and Amherst, Williams and Bowden all one and one, Middlebury, Hamilton and Connecticut College all zero and two, and most of those probably have legitimate chances at winning. But did you see how Williams beat Amherst? I think that's the story everyone might be looking at. Williams certainly playing very good basketball now after a tough start to the season. And they beat, um, I would argue they beat um, Amherst in very dramatic fashion, of course, uh, on their home court. Now, we're going to show you the video from NSN and Williams. Don't be confused here as Williams is in their road jerseys. Not that uncommon when you play doubleheaders on a weekend or two games on a weekend. But just so you're not confused by the video, Williams is in their road jerseys here. Pick it up with about 24 seconds left. This is the NSN's call of the game against Williams. To tie or win it with a three. Everybody on their feet at the Chandler Gym. We'll go to our feet as well. Here's Roll. 14 on the clock. Looks like they want to isolate Daniel Wall. Kilcullen, three, got it! Kilcullen, the East by one. Here's McCarthy. 
Berman at the buzzer, it won't go. Williams has won it. And the crowd empties the stands. What a moment here in Williamstown, Ryan. And as you can see, Williams winning in dramatic fashion with a huge three-pointer at the top of the key. Amherst didn't get a very good look, good defense from the uh, Eves on that one to hand Amherst yet another loss. Amherst has now lost three games on the season. They have not looked all that great, let's be honest. They got blown out by Brandis, got blown out by Babson, barely beat Drew, had to use overtime to beat Goucher, won what everyone would would call an ugly game against Eastern Connecticut, and now losing to Williams, granted in a rivalry game. They will take on Wesleyan in their little three game coming up on uh, Tuesday. Uh, they then take on Tufts and Bates at home. Should mention, by the way, the next six games at home for the Lord Jeff, starting with Williams, then, or I should say, Wesleyan, then Tufts and Bates, then Williams again next a week from Wednesday. Trinity, Connecticut comes calling on the 24th. They played LaSalle on the 27th. Wow, all these at home. There's more than I think. Then Colby, then Bowden. So essentially the rest of November or January, Amherst will be at home. They will play eight straight games at home the rest of this month. That is that is certainly going to be helpful for the Lord Jeffs. They then are on the road against Rhode Island College. Connecticut College, Wesleyan, and Middlebury to wrap up the season. So eight of their next 12 at home, all eight in a row before the final four on the road. Certainly, Lord Jeffs would like to take care of their home in Lafrac to take advantage of the opportunity um, to play uh, at home for the, uh, for the NESCAC tournament. But remember... The last time they were at home, they lost to Babson, 68-49. The time before that, they lost to Brandeis, 78-58. This Williams game was the end of five straight road games in the span of a month. So, interesting scenario there for Amherst. Um, by the way, rivalries aplenty. Calvin and Hope played for the 189th time, I believe. And Calvin got the win there. Certainly impressive by Calvin, who started the season losing four of their first nine. They're nine and four now on the season. Hope, which had gotten a big win over Ohio Wesleyan, has now lost two in a row. Um, you know, there was a lot of discussion on the boards about whether Hope should have been a top 25 team. The truth of the matter is, unfortunately, not now. Uh, I think they hurt themselves just a little bit with these last two losses, to be sure. Is Calvin a top 25 team? I don't know. We're starting to get into territory where a number of teams who've lost about two-thirds to 40% of their games are going to be talked about in the top 25 because everybody's losing in the top 25. But again, in the NESCAC, interesting scenario. And of course, we'll talk more about the Hope-Calvin scenario coming up on Wednesday. Don't plan to probably talk to either of those coaches uh, I had my sheet out here earlier as to who I was thinking about getting. Um, we'll see what happens uh, there, but we'll certainly talk to Hope and Calvin in the near future. Back to New England. Uh, we'll talk more about that conference coming up, or that region, obviously, with Babson coming up and plenty more. Um, top 25, you know, we've talked about how topsy-turvy things have gotten uh, in the top 25. That is certainly not any different than it is or has been now. 
we'll talk a little bit about strength of schedules coming up as well. But top 25-wise, looking at the men's side of things, Wash U again, number one with 22 votes, losing to Chicago. And it wasn't close, folks. Uh, if you missed it, Chicago rolled out early to start and kept the pressure on, winning in dominating fashion. Of course, the game was played in Chicago, and you want to take advantage of the home court, but I think maybe the Maroons are starting to show the signs of why everybody thought they might win the UAA this season. But that final score was 63-43. WashU's offense held to 43 points. Interesting storyline. Coach um, Edwards from WashU will coach in his 1,000th game or take, take part in his 1,000th game in some capacity coming up on Wednesday. But again, WashU now has the inevitable task, because remember they're partnered with Chicago. They will, uh, well, they'll get, they'll get these at home, I should say. This isn't the tough part. They'll play Emory on the 16th at home and then Rochester on the 18th at home. Um, Chicago would get the opposite, obviously, there. Rochester, who's struggling. Emory, who's red hot. And again, we'll talk to Jason Zimmerman coming up here very soon. Um, then they hit the road for NYU and Brandeis before then coming back home for Ca Carnegie Wellen, M Mellon and Case Western Reserve, a team you should keep an eye on. Two losses, only one in Division Three, and that was to Denison. Uh, we'll keep an eye on Carnegie Mellon. The UAA is a fascinating uh, scenario to watch this year. I think it's, it's far more wide open than I think even I was going to give it credit for this season, but we'll learn more about that from Jason Zimmerman coming up. CCIW, another conference we've been keeping an eye on. North Central continues to play well. Augustana playing well as well. Uh, Augustana getting yet another victory, an easy one over North Park, 88-51. These two teams, North Central and Augustana, will square off on Wednesday in a major conference game early in the season. That's why we're calling this show Conference Showdowns. Big conference showdown in this conference at this point in time in the season. Both teams will be 13-1 coming in. Both teams will be 3-0. Lurking right behind them is the surprising Elmer squad, who is 12-2, 2-1, taking their first conference loss just this week against Augustana before rolling over Milliken. Illinois Wesleyan, who kind of seemed to be stumbling just a little bit, Having lost two in a row in three of their of their previous five, have now gotten wins over Wheaton and Carthage. They'll take on Milliken and North Park. So the Titans certainly don't have any big tests coming up until they face off against Augustana and Elmhurst coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, Milliken is lurking. Carthage is lurking. North Park's capable of winning. So is Wheaton, who's at the bottom of the conference, surprisingly. But only one team's below, or two teams are below 500, and that's Milliken and Carthage, and they're only by a game. Uh, Carthage by a game and a half. So interesting goings-on there as well. Whitewater continues to win. Dickinson continues to win. St. Thomas winning. Emory, WPI, we mentioned, took the loss. Virginia Wesleyan continues to win. Marietta, Marietta continues to win. It's a very interesting top 25. This might be one of the easier top 25 votes. Admittedly, we'll have to replace number one. Does that mean it goes to Augustana? I don't know. Will voters go to Whitewater? Who knows? Uh, Dickinson, St. Thomas, it is, it is a wide open option of who you're going to put in first place. I think uh, for a lot of the top 25, it might be a little bit easier this week, but for number one, 
it might be wide open. On the women's side of things, FTU Florham continues to win. Certainly no surprises at this point. They probably, if they keep their focus, will roll through the Freedom Conference. Um, they are now 13-0, having won 46 straight games. It bears repeating. Their loss last loss was the first round of the NCAA tournament in 2013 against Widener. They rolled past Brooklyn the other night um, after being up at NYU for a couple of games after being in Vegas for a couple of games. So, you know, no surprise there that FTU is rolling along. St. Uh, Thomas More is rolling along. Amherst uh, just smoked Williams the other night. Uh, Wash U beat Chicago. Montclair State still undefeated. Uh, there isn't anybody here to tell you is jumping out at me to saying, hey, we lost, except for Oshkosh, get down to a number 11. Oshkosh lost the other night to Stevens Point. A very good Shirley Egner-led team in Stevens Point. Uh, and one to watch for. And the other one to watch out for, George Fox Bruins. We talked to them just the other day. They won their games against Pacific Lutheran and Willamette. Now they got the Wits, Whitman and Whitworth ahead. That will be a tremendous weekend of basketball in the Northwest, both on the men's and women's side. Should point this out before we go to break. Um, we're starting to get SOS numbers, as it were, uh, in men's and women's basketball. In women's basketball, the new SOS numbers have been run on our website at d3hoops.com, I believe. Yep, I am looking at that correctly. Um, had to do some behind-the-scenes work, but they're up and running. For example, the, the the toughest SOS right now is Illinois Wesleyan with a 668. But that tells you something when somebody's SOS is a 668. This is why we don't get regional rankings midway through January. The SOS numbers are completely uh, inflated. Not Conference action has not brought them back down to earth, as it were. Um, so, you know, Illinois Wesley with a 668 at a 4-8 record uh, tells you a lot. Tells you they're playing a tough schedule, certainly out of conference, but not much more than that. Our friend Matt Snyder has run the men's side of things. You can't find these online unless you go to the D3 boards where Matt has posted them. Um, again, these numbers based on what Matt has figured out from the NCAA um, and for example, Bates right now has a 699 SOS. They haven't got, and, and what's interesting about the Bates number, I will say, is because they don't play the NESCAC in its entirety in a double round robin, they do have their group of three in Maine that will play each other in another set of games. Uh, that number isn't going to come tumbling down. It will certainly fall, but not as much as everybody else's numbers tend to in conference action. I should say, by the way, their number is a 654. Uh, 699 is their technically what their RPI would be attributed to. Colby, on the other hand, has a 692 SOS. Uh, in the East region, Plattsburgh has a 582 uh, in comparison. Um, Richard Stockton has the best, uh, one of the best SOSs in the Atlantic region. By the way, you'd be surprised by how many teams don't have weaker SOSs that you would expect. You'd also be surprised how many teams do have weaker SOSs than you would expect. Um, for example, uh, Franklin and Marshall's SOS is a 455 as it sits now. A 455 SOS now. That's not going to improve a lot as you get into conference action. It will certainly go up, but their SOS is going to be probably hovering around 510 or 520 this year, I suspect. That's just off the top of my head. I'm going to have fun watching these numbers as they progress uh, throughout the season. Don't know who's got the highest SOS number. I don't have that in front of me, 
but certainly interesting information. Again, SOS numbers are flawed at this time of year, um, but certainly they are give you a little bit of an insight as to what is going on. we got to take a break because we're already behind schedule, believe it or not. Sad, pretty good 20 minutes here. Lots to talk about. When we come back, we'll jump into the South region and we'll talk to Emory men's basketball coach Jason Zimmerman. That's coming up here on Hoopsville. Uh, if you have questions for us or our guests, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. Facebook us as well at facebook.com slash hoopsville. should also point out you can add comments on the video stream down below. Feel free to do that. Uh, we'll try and spot those when we can and respond on air or written however we can do it best, as it were. We're going to take a break, as we said. As we come back, we'll talk to Jason Zimmerman, men's head coach at Emory. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by d3hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwest University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result in my mind is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying our Sunday evening show. If you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also um, join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, and of course, you can join us in the ch on the uh, little chat section on our YouTube page as well, or on the on the front page, or on the page you're watching the show. Lots of options. We certainly hope you'll try and take advantage of them throughout. Going to jump down into the South region here and and talk men's basketball. Um, but first and foremost, we should point out that uh, one of the stories out of the South has been the flu. Believe it or not. Um, Maryvale, for example, or Maryvale, that's a school here in the Baltimore area, I apologize. Maryville um, had to cancel its two sets of games this week due to the flu. We wanted to get their women's basketball coach to the 23rd ranked uh, Scots on the show. 
couldn't do it. Uh, he is down with the flu himself. Uh, we certainly wish the best to their school as they try and recover from that. That's certainly one of those stories uh, going on in the South um, for sure. But in the meantime, there's plenty of other headlines taking place in the South region. And one of those is the Eagles, who uh, got a, a very difficult win up at Rochester in men's basketball just uh, yesterday. They are back, already had a practice, and Coach Zimmerman now joins me on the show. And, Coach, uh, the one thing I know for sure is that you guys have not had a lot of success heading up to Rochester. Last year it nipped you as well. This year you at least got the victory. Yeah, Dave, I, I missed the first half of that, uh, that that question, but it was uh, I heard we have not had a lot of success yes. at Rochester, and that that is true. Uh, you go back through Emory history, and uh, I think twenty three out of the last twenty four times we went up there, we didn't come uh, come away with a win. We have not, so uh, so we we fought a lot of uh, past demons there, and uh, our guys played well uh, played well yesterday, and. We're able to, to to win the games. We're we're excited about the first win on the road in our league, uh, and more excited with how the guys played. Actually, yeah, I mean, it, listen, Rochester certainly isn't the behemoth it has been in the last few years, or, or or in the past, I should say, in the last few years have been a little bit rough on them. You get a fifteen minute a point win, but winning up in the Palestra, as as we've said, is difficult at best. I think last year, you guys, you you point out how many games you've struggled up there. Last year, you guys went up there. Um, on the last game of the season uh, and lost in, in a big way. You know, it just seems like it's a tough place to play in general. Yeah, How- you know, everywhere we go on the road, I think in the in the league, every league uh, is it, tough to win on the road. And uh, and that place has been really tough for, for our basketball program to go win up there. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a good win for us, and we're excited. I was going to say, how important is it to get that game done with this year in some capacity? You get that road yep. win done. You've got road win- games ahead of you in Wash U in Chicago uh, this coming weekend. How important was it to at least start UAA play on the road with a victory? Yeah. You know, you, you, when you get the schedule at the beginning of the year, you, as a coach, you look at it and you say, oh, that, that's a fun way to start league. You know, <laughs> on the road at Rochester, on the road at, at Washington University, on the road at University of Chicago. And, uh, you know, you start the league like that. And um, so it, it was a big win for us. And like I said, I think more to do with how our guys played and how our guys are playing right now and continuing to get better. Um, and, and I think I was, I was as proud of that as I was with with the win. But you know, like I told our guys, hey, a, a lot of guys, and that's either the first conference game we play on the road or we play the last conference game up there, which right. is because they're our travel partner. You know, a lot of the guys that have played for me has, has played their last game in that gym, you know, and uh, and hadn't been able to win it. And uh, we talked about that a little bit just uh, because, you know, we uh, our program takes, you know, we've taken great pride in, in what uh, the guys have done here in the past. And to win that game was uh, – we fought a lot of demons, like I said. We fought a lot of demons and figured out a way to win. Uh, but you know, looking ahead as we go to you know Wash U and and University of Chicago, it, it doesn't get any easier. And uh, we're excited about the opportunity. Last season, you guys were 19 and nine. You made the NCAA tournament and certainly uh, put yourselves in 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 the forefront of the attention by getting the first round by. You then won the game against Center on that Saturday, traveled to Wisconsin, got the big victory over Stevens Point, um, and then fell to what was eventually the defending champs, uh, 74-51 in Whitewater. Um, 
I'll freely admit when I looked at what you had lost, what you had coming back, I didn't know what to think of Emory this year. Didn't want to say it was a flash in the pan. You've had a couple good seasons here, but didn't really know how you guys would come together after such a terrific season last year, but also a season that was full of a lot of losses. Strength of schedule certainly came to your help uh, last year as you finished 19-9. and are you playing above your own expectations? Or are you? Did you guys think you could put this kind of season together at this point? Sure. Uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things to talk about in that question. Uh, you know, just you know, flashing the pan as far as our program. You know, I think we kind of going past that. You know, mm-hmm. we we went 20 wins and 19 wins and didn't make the tournament. Yeah. Uh, you know, we went 20 wins and 11 in the UAA and didn't make the tournament four years ago. And then we went 19 and didn't make the tournament. Then we went 20 and made it and, and won in the first round, got the second round last year. We got the bye and uh, then went up to Stevens Point and won that game. And so all those experiences, I think, has just kind of helped us build, you know, uh, a program here. And our guys have been through those experiences. Like our seniors now have been through some, some you know, great experiences of having to go to Stevens Point, having to go to Whitworth, having to, you know, played in the UAA now for three years and traveled and done that. So you know, they have a great knowledge about them and great experiences uh, that they've gone through. I think that's all helped our start. Um, our seniors have been phenomenal to mm-hmm. start the year. Um, you know, Max Davis comes off the bench, but then you have Michael Florin at the point. Uh, Alex Foster's had an incredible year, and Josh Shotty, who, probably doesn't get the credit he deserves. Those three guys uh, play a lot and have been phenomenal, and Max Davis is phenomenal in his role. So the seniors, those seniors have helped us get off to uh, a good start early in the year. Uh, you know, we got we got hit by Piedmont up there in our third yeah. game in four days. and uh, But really, you know, and coaches always say, hey, that loss helped us. Well, you don't want to have a loss to help you, but you know, <laughs> we, we, re- we re-examined some things, and we – uh, and we really, we just, hey, we need to be better in what we're doing. And, uh, you know, our schedule, Dave, has been tough. Like, we came back from Christmas and uh, from holiday break, and we played Bates, who's having, having a great year. Uh, then we come back with Union, uh, who Coach Murphy, one of my assistants, uh, is doing a great job at Union right now. And then we played Virginia Wesleyan uh, at home and, and have a good win uh, there against a, a good team. Dave does a good job. So, and then we come with at Rochester, at WashU, at Chicago. So we thought this six-game stretch was a, a, a big sign for us. Like, okay, how good can we be? Um, but our team's really connected right now. And um, it's just, you know, going through it for so many years, when you have a team like it, there, there's just something about this team that's really, uh, you enjoy, I enjoy coaching them. Uh, they're bought in. They're really connected to what they do. And it's, it's been a fun, fun run so far, and we've got a long way to go. You talk about the the strength, you know, the schedule, and certainly that's been your strength over the last few years. Again, with eight losses, you guys made the NCAA tournament last year with a very good strength of schedule. Um, and this year, lo and behold, it looks like you could you could do that again. You tap into uh, different conferences with strengths. You got the ODAC and having played for Virginia Wesleyan and Guilford. Um, you got the SAA. You got the SCAC. Um, you know, you've got obviously your own conference. You tap into the NESCAC with your game against Bates. Um, certainly, Union will help you as well. As a lot of these teams are also having good seasons. On top of that, you tap into the Skyac, believe it or not, with your game against Laverne, where you played back yeah, uh, right. in St. Louis. Apparently, you took the St. Louis trip a little early. Um, yeah. But you know that's what's amazing here. And then so you do have that loss against Piedmont, which certainly raised. So my eyebrows, and I'll tell you right now, as a top 25 voter, I went, wait a minute. 
Mm -hmm. What's going on there? Yes, it was fourth game, third, three, third game and four, but, you know, what's going on with Emory as much as what's going yep. on with Piedmont? But sure. you guys came roaring back. Is this team just unfazed? I don't know if you call it unfazed. I think, um, you know, uh, when we went 20-5 and five and didn't make the tournament, uh, I, I thought it was uh, uh, it wasn't fair for my seniors and some of the guys that have been there. And I say it wasn't fair. Like, I understand. Like, we understand the process, and we get, we get all that. So, But I thought that I could do something to help that, right? And so since that time, we said, look, we're going to go schedule uh, Guilford, the Virginia Wesleyans, and Tom and Dave are great to come play us. You know, a Bates team that is – has uh, been very good in the past. So, so we have all those teams, and we said, look, let's not go, um, let's not be in that situation again. Like, if, if we're good enough, let's be, uh, let's have that strength and schedule to help us. And uh, you know, so going through that, and then and then you go through a game like you go through a game like Piedmont, and and you know what, that doesn't it doesn't phase you as much because you know you, you have, uh, and they played really well, right? They they mm -hmm. played Greg did a great job in that game, and. And, you know, I go back and watch the game, and they, they played really well. Like, they beat us. Like, they shot it really well, and uh, they made us guard, and we didn't guard as well as we have been. So going through that uh, process of 25 and not getting in, it really says, hey, you know, we're going to change a little bit of, or, or try to change. Again, you can't you – know, you don't know who's going to be great every year, like who's going to have a good year. Sure. But you can you – know, you try to say, all right, so let's play Virginia Wesleyan. Let's play Guilford. Let's go play base. Let's play a team who's having a good year. Let's go – play those games and also the fact that 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 experience of doing that you know you go play in the ncaa tournament well hey sometimes playing guilford at guilford playing virginia wasn't at virginia wasn't that's an ncaa environment now i mean that, that's so you want to give your kids your student athletes as much as an opportunity to have that environment but you know and then on you know top of that with our league and i think our league is uh, one of the best experiences in uh, college athletics, not just uh, you know Division three. I think being able to travel like we do and and play the teams and the coaches uh, in our league is it's just a tremendous experience. So uh, you, you throw it together, and uh, that's kind of you know what we've come up with uh, in the last couple of years that's helped us. And then when you get into the into the NCAA tournament, of course, you know you're going to play you know, at Stevens Point, and well, you played at Washington University at Chicago, you played at NYU and Brandeis, and you know some of those things. Uh, that you're not used to, but but you've been in that experience before. Like the Whitworth experience mm -hmm. the year before really helped us with our Stevens Point experience. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, it, it's been a great growing process for our program and one that we uh, we take great pride in, like I said. When you look at this number six ranking, uh, is it one of those where you got to keep the guys kind of at bay just a little bit in the excitement, or is it kind of a nod of the head go, yeah, about time you guys figured this out? No, I don't know if it's that. Uh, you know, more, more to those guys, I say, look, I, I don't know if we're number six in the country. I don't know if we're number two. I don't know if we're number 20. I don't know. And really, when we play on Friday night against Wash U, it doesn't matter. It matters what happens the first four minutes and how we play that first round and then how we move on. And um, But we always say, if, you, if you're going to have rankings, we might as well be in them, right? So, <laughs> uh, that's you know, but I, I don't know, you know, Number six ranking, number five. Now, I will say this: in the last four or five years, being in them, like last year, for example, Dave, we weren't in the rankings at all. You mm -hmm. know, the whole year, we we never cracked the top twenty-five. I think we got the boats, but we never cracked the top twenty-five. But I thought we were worthy of, uh, maybe not throughout the year because we had those losses. But I mm -hmm. thought our team had a chance to do that. You know, I thought we had a chance to be pretty good. 
And uh, so, you know, having going through those processes of being in the rankings, it's not the first time that you've been at six or you've been at four, you've been at, you know, 20, you know, it's not something like it shocks you, you know? And um, so that, you know, those experiences and that growth, it's been a, it's been a neat uh, thing to watch. And I think our guys are excited about it. Um, you know, you, you always wanted to try to be the hunter, right? You don't, yeah. I mean, you're going to be the hunted at some point in time, but you want to play like the hunter. So, um, I, I think our guys have done a good job of that. And, and on top of that, Dave, I think our uh, my assistant coach Chris McHugh does an unbelievable. And he said, "Say hello to, to his brother today." So <laughs> you're, you're not, but everybody Chris said, "Say hello to my brother Dave." <laughs> okay. but, yeah, but Chris does a great job for us. He played at Washington uh, and Lee, and he coached. Uh, uh, coached at Mount St. Mary's and coached at uh, Connecticut College and NSK. He's come down. This is his second year with me here. He's done a great job. Pizza Harris, Chad Hickson, they've done a great job uh, getting our guys prepared. And you know, number six in the country, number twenty in the country, not ranked. Hey, we we got to go win a game on Friday night. So, yeah, Chris and I go way back. Uh, family <laughs> way reunions, back. yeah, tons of it. Absolutely, <laughs> never met him before. Uh, <laughs> no, that's not true. I've actually met him. Um, well, hey, before I talk about your team. How much does a game like yesterday where you see WashU get smoked by um, Chicago, only put up 40-some-odd points, had walked in going undefeated, Chicago had come in with a number of losses. I know the, the UAA is tough, but how much does a result like that have you go back to the drawing board a little bit and go, okay, maybe this isn't what we expected. Maybe we got something else going on here when we got to go out there next weekend. Yeah, I don't know if it's back to the drawing board. I mean, Mark has a uh, great team. Oh, I mean, sure. Uh, and and we saw it. You know, Mike has a great team too. I, the coaches picked him, you know, to win the league. I think in our in our poll. Yeah, he, thanks season, you so. trem- he thanks yeah, you. He thanks you tremendously sure he for that. Yeah, I'm sure he does. So, <laughs> so we thought. You know, everybody thinks. You know, Chicago is a very good team. Uh, you know, WashU's playing at Chicago first. Uh, so it's a road game. It's the first conference game, and it's also they hadn't played like Washington hadn't played since. You know, before break, so right. there's a, there's a lot of factors that go into that. You know, uh, I think you look at it and you say, hey, you know, maybe maybe the score, maybe the the margin, it may surprise you a little bit, but but the the outcome, I mean, anybody can beat anybody in our league, and everybody says that, and and I think it's true. We're in conference play, you better you better be ready to play, and so there's a lot of factors that go into. It. I don't think we go back to the drawing board and there's much different, but. You know, we we were fortunate enough. Uh, Coach Edwards invited us to play in the Lapata Classic, so we got we played two games up there against Laverne and Trinity, and and uh, they got to see us play twice. We got to see them play twice. It was you know, it was an interesting experience, and different, um, but it was a great experience. They do a great job running that classic, so we're excited about the weekend for sure. Um, let's talk about your team, Alex. You basically, <laughs> by the way, I should point out a lot of seniors on this squad. Certainly, senior laden. With experience, and three of your seniors are your four top scorers. It starts with Alex right. Foster, twenty-four and a half points a game, nearly ten rebounds a game. Um, then you get uh, Will Trowick, uh, um, thirteen points a game. He's the junior. Then Michael Florin, the senior, nearly ten points a game, uh, and you got nearly a double double out of Josh uh, Shaddy, the senior as well, nine points a game, six and a half rebounds a game. Clearly, this is a great year in sense of senior leadership certainly have stepped up, contributing in many facets. Tell us a little bit more about this squad. Sure. You know, I think going to Germany, we, we took our uh, our trip to Germany mm-hmm. this summer, and uh, it really helps uh, the upperclassmen. And of course, we didn't take our freshmen, but the upperclassmen, you know, bond a little bit and 
we played four games and Alex Foster was very, very good uh, over there. And then, and so was Josh and Max and, and Michael. Uh, but it just helped, it helped us, you know, move on from that last year's team. With we had some really good seniors last year with Jake Davis, Pearson Moore, Stevenson. We had some really good seniors, so it helped us move uh, maybe a little bit quicker on uh, and into roles, uh, different roles. Um, Alex has had a great year so far, uh, and he had a great uh, four games in Germany, so that helped him. Uh, you know, you kind of say, wait, wait, can he keep doing it? Uh, well, he's been doing it, and really at the end of last year, you know, at the end of last year, he played great at Stevens Point. He played great against center, so so he's been playing really well. Um, and and of course, he, he's a natural scorer. You know, he's always been that since he got here, um, and now he's been able to do it a little bit more. Michael Florin runs the team, uh, great senior point guard. You know, he's uh, in his three years here. What he's won twenty nineteen and twenty, yeah. so or, or nineteen twenty nineteen and. Um, you know, he's been that leader for us. And then Josh, Josh does a lot of stuff on the court, um, just intangible stuff, energy-wise. I mean, every day in practice, he's, he's making practice uh, more intense. And uh, it's, it's great for those seniors. And then Max has come in and played a great role for us last year, has come in this year and uh, great in practice and played a great role for us. So those seniors have really been, you know, step forward. And, you know, you said we have three, you know, very four senior leader, you know, laden team, but – you know, you look last year, and like you said at the beginning of our, our interview, was we didn't know. Like, Jake Davis leaves, McPherson Moore, we, leave, we lose 40 points. Like, who's going to step up and take that role? And the year before that was Alex Grevin, Michael Freeberg, some seniors, you know. So so we've been able to uh, continue the process, and uh, and that's been exciting as a coach. And you pair those guys, those seniors, with the juniors now who take on a little bit bigger role but have been through the process, have been through an NCAA tournament, two, two NCAA tournaments, and some sophomores who then take a bigger role. And then our, our freshmen, we think we have a very good freshman class. Uh, it's tough for them to get minutes right now because the guys are playing really well. Sure. But like, like I said earlier, we, I feel like we're really connected in our roles. And guys you know, guys who aren't getting time are still uh, – practices have been unbelievable. They are, for our practices have been uh, really fun to, to coach uh, because it's very intense and, and very competitive. So – um, it's a fun group, and uh, those seniors with the senior leadership has been really fun to watch. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us and talk about your Eagles again, having traveled back from Rochester after the win yesterday, already got a practice under your belts, uh, and we'll certainly get going on things here, uh, preparing for a big weekend ahead. Um, so we'll let you get back to that. Uh, as always, Great. though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? No, we just uh, we appreciate all you do, uh, you know, with your show, Hoopsville, and D3 Hoops, and uh, you and Pat, and everything that you do for uh, for Division Three basketball, and um, you know, help help getting the word out there. You know, there's some some really uh, great stories and great people uh, at every level, but at, at our level, we have some great stories and great people, and uh, we appreciate you getting that out there for us. Well, no problem at all. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Good luck especially travel-wise this coming weekend, and uh, we'll look forward to watching the Eagles the rest of the way and talking to you down the road. Thanks. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely. Jason Zimmerman joining us here on Hoopso. We appreciate him taking the time to do so. Again, the team is 11-1 and overall. Uh, just got going into UAA conference play with that win over Rochester yesterday. Uh, again, on the road, WashU and then Chicago before coming home against Case Western Reserve and Carnegie Mellon. We didn't talk about the fact that Carnegie, uh, Case Western Reserve off to a great start this season, too. So really the next three big games, not that Carnegie Mellon isn't a big game as well, but 
Uh, after that, it's Brandeis and NYU, and then you start it all over again. It's Brandeis, NYU, WashU, Chicago, Case Western Reserve, Carnegie Mellon, Rochester. So flip the, the schedule essentially in reverse. So we'll keep an eye on the Eagles, see how they do the rest of the way. Going to take another break when we come back. We'll continue talking uh, men's basketball action. Um by talking uh, Northeast men's basketball action with the new MAC leaders right now, Babson. Uh, talk to them about how they're doing. By the way, score update, number one, 21 team in the country, Rhodes, losing by 18 today against Barry. Barry wins 85-67 over Rhodes. Anyway, like I said, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk to uh, Babson and find out well, how they're doing in uh, on the season so far, certainly off to a terrific start themselves. You'll listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Division Three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics, you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show, as we have mentioned all night. Feast or famine with the Hoopsville. At least that's the way it's been uh, so far this season has um, last Thursday, or the Thursday show, we had a lot of it pre-recorded for varying reasons this time around. Most of it, if not all, this show is live, so I uh, hope you're enjoying this. Uh, if you have any questions for us or our guests, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, 
Hoopsville uh, at d3hoops.com. Facebook us as well, fa uh, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can also even join us in the – there's a there's a chat room area on the YouTube show page. There's even a comment section on the show page. You could check them all out uh, at any point in time in there. So certainly don't – you know, if you got questions for us or questions for our guests – we would love to hear them, so don't don't be shy, as it were. We'll 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 try and get them answered. Uh, one of the other developments this season has been certainly what has turned into a very challenging, very good, I should say, uh, new MAC conference. And it's interesting. I'm actually looking at our show page and don't see the the game show on there. We'll have to fix that, um, and we'll fix that anyway. Um, what we were saying is certainly very good uh, new Mac basketball this season. It's been something that I think that's been maybe a little undersung as it were. Um, not only because of four teams getting into the conference last season, but NESCAC usually gets a lot of the attention. So we figured we had to talk a little bit more new Mac, especially when one of the teams uh, in the conference who is currently 12 and one has won 11 straight. And that is certainly the Babson team. And so we uh, go to the Hoopsville hotline and joining us in the uh, hotline is Babson head coach Stephen Brennan. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Absolutely, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so you know, twelve and one. Okay, what's that all about? You guys certainly were a team that everyone thought would be pretty darn good, but WPI and MIT were the picks of the conference uh, coaches to win this conference, and you guys right now are smoking hot. Yeah, it's been a good run. Um, I think a lot of it's due to, you know, last year we ended up going 20-5 and five in the regular season, and, you know, we had a uh, disappointing effort in the new max and, you know, lost the first round against double A's, and I think we have a veteran group that, you know, decided to put a lot of work in over the summer. Uh, you couple that with great leadership. We have a leadership group, uh, a sophomore, Joey Flannery, and, you know, Travis Sheldon, a junior, and then our three seniors, Dave Mack and John Wickey and Eric uh, Dean and and they've really been the motor behind what's going on. They made a commitment last spring to put more time in, uh, get in the best shape they could possibly be in. And you know between that hard work and a uh, little luck from the hoop gods, we've won uh, eleven straight. Well, it's certainly been impressive. Um, y the one loss you have is to a bait squad that I think now everyone's kind of taking pause at and going, huh. Uh, who's this bait squad? Um, you know, this isn't this isn't just a, a kind of a run-of-the-mill um, season for you guys. The Bobcats are your one loss. You've got some wins over some tough competition. Skidmore, certainly Bowden, Tufts. You made some headlines by spanking uh, Amherst around a little bit at Lafrac. Um, you've gotten back into conference play with a win over uh, who has usually been a tough Emerson squad. Of course, Charlie Brock and his Springfield team is always tough and and looming still is WPI here coming up this week is this is this a season you guys expected to have did you think you could be this good I say that loaded because all, all coaches think highly of their teams you know I, I think um, the the term is probably cautiously optimistic and when we uh, looked at the schedule and we, you know you see Bowden Stalin Tufts and Amherst all in a row you know like to, to get through that and get four wins uh, was really a huge confidence thing for us. And, you know, I, I think it just made us believe in what we're doing. You know, if we do what we do, we got a great chance to win. But, you know, it just comes down to are we going to get stops and run? We put a high premium on 
running, running the fast break and getting the ball up in front, partly because Joey Flannery is a, a terrific finisher and partly because we just felt it was uh, a better way and more fun for our guys and maybe they buy in even more. Um, when you look at this new Mac conference, um, again, you guys are two and zero. MIT is two and zero and nine and three. WPI eleven and two and one and one. Um, you still have Emerson, Clark, Coast Guard, Springfield, and Wheaton continue to contend with. Springfield's eight and five, but off to an zero and two start in the conference. You know this is probably the most competitive in the last. Well, certainly, last year was competitive, but I mean, it just it hasn't fallen off the new Mac. And I have made the argument, much to maybe some other people's detriment, that this is now a conference that may be on par with the NESCAC in many ways. Is that how you guys feel? I I think that, you know, we've gone out and had some success against the NESCACs. You know, MIT, you know, had, had a win against Tufts. And, you know, we had, you mentioned the Bowden and uh, Colby and Amherst wins. Um, and then you look at WPI beating Williams up in the Salem tournament. So it's been... You know, it's been a it's been a really good test for us to get ready for conference play. But ultimately, I think we all look at our conference, go out. Wow, you know, any night anybody's going to beat you. I mean, you know, you got to be ready to bring it every night. And you know, we looked at it as uh, New Mac stands for no easy wins, must accept the challenge. You know, <laughs> that's our acronym is for. I like that. That one's pretty good. I'm gonna have to keep that one in mind. Um... You mentioned the, the NCAA tournament last year. That's how you guys had your season end, pretty much how the entire New Mac had its season end last year with four teams. Uh, not faring as well as everybody thought they would. I know you guys certainly had higher expectations for your own personal season last year. Um, granted, 20-7 and seven after having back-to-back 14-13 and 13 seasons and before that back-to-back 10-win seasons, you had to be pleased with how your Beaver squad came around for last season and thus how they've performed this year. Yeah, it's been an exciting change. I think that we've kind of had a strong change in culture, and a lot of that comes down to, you know, our seniors went through some tough times. You know, when they were freshmen, they had some tough losses. And, you know, and even last year's seniors had some really rough roads. I mean, a couple of years ago, we beat Amherst at Lafrac, and it was because we shot 50% from three. And, you know, it probably wasn't, um, you know, it was, it was more of a surprise win. Whereas this year, I think we won the game because we played well and, and, and played better than them that night, you know. And I think that that's our expectation is to play well every night and know that we're going to get everybody's best game, but they're going to get our best game too. So uh, we take nothing for granted because, like you say, the, the, the darker, you know, seasons when you win 10 or 13 or 14 games, you, we always play a really challenging schedule. But to, you know, have some years where, you know, you're on the uh, other side of 500, you know, when you have a year like last year's 25 and, and these guys get the fever to, to work and they understand it comes down to putting the time in, but also, you know, being together as a group. I mean, last week we as a group went out to a Celtics game, you know, paid 10 bucks for the seats and watched the Charlotte uh, Hornets play. And, and, and we all went together on the public transportation. And, you know, it, it's just this group is together, you know, and I think that being together on and off the court, we always talk about a unified approach. And I, I think that's been, you know, the X factor. You know, we play hard every night, but we play for each other also. You know, we keep saying each each other that, you know, it, it's if we go and play one-on-one, we're not going to be a very good team, but we're going to be great in the collective sum of our parts. That's what we really focus on. What I find interesting is, you know, this team has only got three seniors and, what, one or two juniors. The rest are sophomores and freshmen. Uh, you're led by a sophomore in Joey Flannery at 22.4 points a game. 
Uh, John Wickey, uh, I should point out, by the way, 7.7 rebounds a game as well and shooting 50%. John Wickey, the senior, 16.8 points, 6.8 rebounds, shooting 52%. Eric Dean, senior, 9 points a game, 5.2 rebounds, shooting 43%. So you've got a sophomore leading the team. You've got your senior leadership on top of that. Those three players certainly very even in the fact that they not only get points, they get rebounds as well. Um, certainly solid on the defensive end as well. You talk about a team that's together, you tend to see teams that are very good tend to have guys like that who are contributing in more than one facet of the game. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We were out at Amherst before the game. Dave Hickson, the coach out there, was like telling me about his shooters. And I was like, well, does anybody want to transfer? Because we don't really shoot the ball that well. (laughs) And he says to me, "Um, no, because you'll make them play defense. They'll all turn outside the door. So and, um, we're always looking for guys who want to compete on both ends, you know, and I think that, you know, our, our three seniors and, and that leadership group in general has been terrific in practice with that. And, and they understand that, like, you know, to beat the teams we played, I mean, Tufts has a phenomenal front court duo. And, you know, we got to find a way to out-rebound them. And it's going to be all of our guys, not just one or two. Because, again, you know, like Joey's a very talented guy, but he's talented because – he does things in the flow. He's really unique. I mean, he's not a selfish kind of prima donna who only plays one end. We have to play both ends, and I'm always on him about rebounding. If he's listening, you got to get more rebounds. Again, you got the win over Springfield, and, and certainly you've you've held, you've had all kinds of games. You've won games scoring 90 points. You've won games scoring 59 points twice now. You've even lost a game only scoring 51 in a low-scoring affair. You now got WPI ahead of you. Obviously, it'd be important to start the conference three and zero before you get Wheaton and then MIT. Um, is is it imp- how important I should say is home court advantage? Last year we saw a non home court winner win the conference title. How important is it to get home court advantage, especially throughout in the new MAC? Or is it you got you're so familiar with these places you'll play anywhere? Yeah, I think you play anywhere, but I think, you know, if you ask any coach that rather, you know, play at home and, you know, I think everybody's goal at the end of the year is to win it, you know, it's the Rex Ryan thing. We're going to win as many games on offense as we can, yeah. win as many defense as we can. And, you know, I think that um, for us, yeah, we'd, we'd love to be at home, but, you know, we take nothing for granted. Like I said, you know, we're just a couple of years removed for, from a tough year. And, you know, I, I think that we're, we're, hoping that we have a great effort on Wednesday, but we expect API to come in off a loss and, you know, they're one of the best coaches in the country and, you know, we expect them to play really hard. I mean, that's, that's why they're so good is they compete at a high level and play extremely hard every single night out, you know? Well, of course he's one of the best coaches in the country. He used to be one of your assistants. Well, you know, that, uh, that might be news to many people, you know, and a lot of it's because Chris has done uh, an outstanding job on his own, making his own, um, you know, reputation out there for how he runs his program and what gets done. But, uh, yeah, nice of you to note that, and, um, you know, we'll move on from there. He, he, he might take exception to this schedule because Saturday they lose to MIT in the Battle of the Engineers. Um and in that process, MIT's head coach gets his 300th victory. You, you probably know this already, are going for your 300th victory on Wednesday against Chris and WPI. If if you guys win, Chris might start asking for a revolt. 
Um, he certainly doesn't want to hand two guys in the conference their 300th, but how important is it for you knowing you are going for your 300th? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, I'll give you the stock answer. I mean, that, that's good, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's because of a lot of different people that I, I, I might get my 300th win. You know, I mean, we have a lot of alums who have been, you know, tremendous supporters of me and the program and, and, and as players too. So, you know, like neither myself or Larry Anderson has uh, made a shot last I checked. So we're going to go with the flow on that and just say, hey, if we get it, that would be tremendous and we'd love to keep winning. And, yes, we'd love to host it if that opportunity comes our way. But we know we got to earn it. You know, so that's really the answer for that. By the way, I love this conference. You've got the engineers of MIT, whose mascot is the Beavers. You got the uh, the the engineers of WPI also with a Beaver. You guys are just the Beavers. You didn't even bother with the engineering part. Um, and of course, oh, I went to MIT and was known. Uh, Roger Babson is known for predicting the stock market collapse back, you know, yes. in the day. He, I think, uh, having gone there, just said, "Oh, that sounds like a good answer," and we'd like business people to be busy. So, you know, I think that's where we've uh, we've gone with it. There's been a referendum, and it's uh, passed that we've kept the beaver. And other than maybe re re look at the logo, we're going to continue to be the beavers, as far as I know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just I just love the symmetry, uh, as it were. When you look at this this season ahead, I mean, we're essentially halfway through. You played 13 of your allotted 25 games before we get into conference play. You've got WPI, as we said, at home before Wheaton at home. Then you're going to be on the road with MIT and Coast Guard before returning home, Clark and Emerson at home uh, here to finish out January alone. This conference has already proven to be very difficult. How do you keep the guys mentally focused moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the name of the game is how do you, how do you find different ways to motivate guys? You know, we're we're still just not even in school yet, you know, so they, they come to practice every day and they have a lot of free time. And, you know, I, I think part of that's just, you know, looking to find different messages. One of the best things happened is that the you know top 20 in the uh, Division One level, they've gotten into conference play, and you've seen Kentucky go overtime a couple times. I think Duke lost to NC State today. So at least there's something that they're watching that makes it more real and relevant. But ultimately, you know, the most important game is the one you're involved in. And for us, you know, the most important game really doesn't happen until Wednesday. We've got to take care of practice Monday and Tuesday. And I think a lot, of that, a lot of our success comes to the fact that, you know, we have great respect for, you know, these other teams. And we know that we could win or lose to any of them based on, you know, our seniors who have been on both ends of it. And I think that their ability to motivate the locker room and, you know, tell me they, they, they got under control – you know, gives me some peace of mind. But ultimately, you know, on game day, like, you know, yesterday out at Springfield, you know, we had 25 turnovers, but we all rebounded by almost 20. So, you know, it's one of those things where you, you find a way, and I think that's how we look at the year. I keep referencing uh, the 30 for 30 on Jim Valvano, Survive in Advance. That's how we're looking at the new MAC conference. Each game is Survive in Advance if you want a chance to host. Um, again, on top of the conference, tied with MIT, big game coming up against WPI. Um, obviously, this is also important for regional rankings and the like. You guys will seemingly have a pretty decent SOS. We were talking to Jason Zimmerman just a little while ago about how a 20-5 and season missing out on the tournament, he decided to change his scheduling. How much have you guys changed your scheduling? How much have you reexamined what you guys do in, in terms of setting yourselves up as best as possible? Um, very little, to be honest. You, We always play... 
you know, between, you know, four, four and six NESCACs every year. And, you know, that, that always helps, uh, helps strength schedule. One of the things that we've uh, gotten involved in is the New England Big Four Challenge, where it's us, Tufts, Salem State, and Brandeis, you know, all very well-respected programs in New England and all helping your SOS. So I think for us, the, the, the only changes tend to be our own invitational tournament and then a non-conference. And like this year, we picked up uh, Colby right after the break, which, like you said, they played an incredible schedule to date. Um, and our Babson Invitational, we, we played good teams. You, you know, we played Bates in the finals. And, you know, tip, tip your hat, you know, their senior Safford knocked down a three to bang, you know, to win. You know, so I think we've always played a really strong schedule, non-conference, because, not because the NCAA is, but just to get ready for the new Mac, because you always felt that it would tell us what we needed to work on and what our margin for error is to be successful each night. Uh, the Bates Bobcats have kind of been the story out of New England of who are, you know, who is Bates this year and, and just how good are they or aren't they. Granted, you saw them almost two months ago now on November 16th, but from your point of view, how good are the Bobcats? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, um, they took their lumps last year. It's hard to win in the NESCAC with really young teams, and I think that they have really good senior leadership in Stafford. Um, you know, I think the, the the biggest thing is their length and athleticism. You know, they they got their twins, and and then they have a really good wing in Bornasian, and you know they have good depth, and you know they have three or four guys who can make threes. They they play a multiple defensive approach where they they'll play one three one and uh, go back and, you know, change it up and play man. But their length and, and ability to rebound and get to the free throw line is huge. But ultimately the difference in our game, you know, personally was Safford went 8 for 10 in the second half. To have a senior guard go 8 for 10 in the second half, it's nice to be able to, you know, give him the ball and let him make the good decisions, you know. So I think, you know, they're well-constructed to be successful because they have a number of ways to score. They pound the glass with length and athleticism. And, you know, like I said, I, I think they have a chip on their shoulder because I think they, they were in six games where they lost by six points or less. And I think they've gone, you know, to great lengths to make sure that that's not going to happen again. But, you know, as, as you said earlier, it's, uh, it's really been a very open year. There's been a lot of parity throughout uh, Division Three, uh, especially in New England. And, you know, I think it's one of those years, like you say, that there's, there's no dominant elite team but there's a lot of good teams and potentially teams that can become elite teams depending on how their experiences go over the next month. You know, you got to grow and get better every week or, you know, you're not going to be playing anyway at the end of February and March. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Certainly uh, the time and, and when whatnot and your take on things. Certainly uh, good to hear from you guys. And good luck on Wednesday when you play WPI, especially going for win number 300. Uh, certainly nice to see you uh, taking on uh, your former assistant, Chris as well um, in a battle that certainly means a lot already at this point in the season for what's going to happen down the road. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be watching? Um, yeah, I, I think just uh, again to echo what uh, your previous guest, uh, Coach Zimmerman, said. Just you know, we appreciate how much you uh, time and effort you put into promoting our sport. And I, I guess I'd give a shout out to Larry Anderson and congratulations on his 300th win. Uh, you know that takes a, a lot of years and a lot of effort. And uh, you know, congratulations to him and his team. So we look forward to Wednesday. And again, appreciate you having us on tonight. And uh, look forward to getting on again sometime.
Definitely. Thank you so much for taking the time. We'll talk to you soon. I'm looking forward to watching the Beavers the rest of the season. All right. Thanks very much. Have a great night. Thank you. You too, Stephen Brennan. Joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline, we appreciate him taking the time to do so. As we pointed out numerous times, WPI coming up on Wednesday. Um, of course, Wheaton coming up after that. MIT Coast Guard on the road before Clark and Emerson at home. That's the order for the rest of the season. Should also point out their last regular season game will be at home against Larry Anderson's MIT squad. Um, that will be the last game of the season before the conference tournament. So that could have a huge, I mean, these two teams are tied right now for the conference lead. Obviously lots can change between now and then, but that's going to be a big game looming, uh, in the distance. Going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to switch gears and go to women's basketball in the Atlantic region. Talk to a team who could you could call nearly the big killers. They've knocked off some big teams and just barely missed out on knocking others. Kind of curious what's going on with the Cavaliers. So we'll talk to Cabrini women's basketball coach Kate Pearson coming up here on Hoopsville. If you have questions for us, email us, Hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, you can also join us on um, Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Plenty more Hoopsville ahead. We'll also talk about some of the upcoming schedules uh, and what we have on tap in the near future as well. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division III school, school is really around you to yourself as a complete individual. The end result in my mind is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on Sunday evening into hour number two of the show. Certainly hope uh, you've been enjoying it. It's certainly one of the more popular shows we've had recently. It always happens. We uh, get an uptick in the show this time of year. We'll talk about a few of the upcoming uh, games and important or uh, shows and importances of those shows here in the near future. But uh, just 
or that we are pretty much on the air Sundays and Thursdays, uh, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, we will be that way the rest of the season, barring a couple different uh, differences to those schedules. For the most part, we are live. We will have an exception coming up this week. We'll talk about that a little later in the program. Um, we'll also uh, have a couple of shows, for example, that we go on a little bit earlier or have difference. We'll have our 12-hour marathon show coming up by the end of the month uh, at this time. We're hoping uh, to do that. So that will be a 12-hour show on a Thursday. We also have coming up uh, Super Bowl Sunday. We never try and go on the air during the Super Bowl. We're not crazy. Uh, we usually do an earlier show, so look for information on that. Of course, we also have a bunch of special shows surrounding the final weekend of the season, of course, so keep an eye out for that information as well. But you can always find out information, find out what's going on with the show, certainly find out where we are. Sometimes we'll be traveling as well. Join us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways to stay in touch with us as well. All right, so uh, we're going to switch gears and talk women's basketball briefly. One of the teams that has been a bit of a of a of a challenge to say the least for others uh, has been a team out of the Atlantic region. Of course, Atlantic now it used to be Mid Atlantic, um, but a team that certainly isn't that far removed from success. Back to back twenty four game winning uh, season, winning seasons. Uh, has put the Cabrini Cavaliers women's basketball team certainly on the forefront of everyone's mind. But this season, they nearly knocked off a couple bigwigs after knocking off one big one in very low-scoring fashion. And so joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is Anderson, head coach for Cabrini. Coach, welcome to the show. Appreciate you taking the time. No problem. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. So the season started off a little bit rough. Uh, lost to Eastern and Widener in back-to-back games to start the season, um, both of them by double-digit 11 points. You then got back up and running against Delaware Valley and Albright and Gwyneth Mercy and starting to roll along. And then this game came up on the 18th of, of December that caught everybody's attention. I think not only because of the win over a top-10 team, but you you two teams didn't even combine for more than 72 points. You got a win over Scranton. 37-35. Uh, first question is, did you forget to play the second half? <laughs> um, no, both teams, you know, played hard. We just, both teams really struggled offensively, and I think there was a couple different factors into that. You know, the timing of it right after finals, heading into a Christmas break. Um, the second game of a doubleheader, and both of us played a pretty tough game the day before. So I think uh, some of the shots were a little short with uh, some tired legs and things like that, and you know, for us, we really, really stress the defensive end of the floor, and we're okay with a game that's low scoring. So, um, you know, at halftime, it was 21-20, I think, and uh, we talked at halftime, and we really weren't that worried about that low scoring. We just had kind of said going in the second half, we got to keep the defensive intensity up and try to make a couple more shots. I'm sure the 250 people there were uh, treated in some capacity. Both teams nearly shot the same, 26.9% for Scranton, 26.7% for you guys. You guys were 4 for 19 from beyond the arc. They were 1 for 18. Um, free throws, we'll talk about the fact you only got to the line four times and hit one in another time. But, you know, turnovers weren't that bad. I mean, I saw 59 turnovers in a game earlier this week in person, so I'll take the uh, the 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 15 for you, 17 for Scranton. But I would like to point out that the second half score alone, you outscored them 17-14. So basically the turnovers equaled the second half score. Um, 
again, not pretty, but as you pointed out, both these two teams are also good at defense. Yeah, it definitely it was not um it was not easy to watch for for anybody, the coaching staff included. <laughs> so, um, you know, but we did and we talked about that going into the scouting report that they have some really good players, some um, you know, some depth, but uh they can defend as well. And so we just kind of talked about making sure we got to, you know, continue to to defend. We talked about trying to take away some of their shooters and they have some really good shooters and like you said we got lucky that they only hit one from behind the arc that day what i also find interesting that that jumps out at me too is that 10 days later you guys then go to uh san juan puerto rico um and you take on the number two team in the country thomas moore and you hold them and that's important here you hold them to 56 points and lose by one while also in the second half outscoring them 34-23. You nearly got two huge victories back-to-back in the span of 10 days and against a very good Thomas Moore squad. What was your strategy going into that game, especially against Sidney Moss? Um, It was, you know, the same kind of philosophy in terms of talking about really trying to defend as best as we can. Um, we tried to slow the game down, knowing they want to run and go and push the ball in transition. Um, and so we came out a little flat and let them kind of dictate tempo in the first half. And I think we went down 10 nothing, yeah. and then kind of played them, um, you know, fairly even for the rest of the first half and then just kind of turned it up a little bit in the second half. I think we tried to talk about, you know, yeah, they're number two in the country and Sidney Moss is an excellent player, but you can't back down and you have to make sure that we, and we came out in the second half trying to be more of the aggressors instead of allowing them to dictate because they do a a very good job of um, kind of pressure defense, forcing you into some turnovers that, you know, you don't want to turn it over and uh, (laughs) run and jump type of defense. And we got um, baited into that a little too much in the first half. And we tried to kind of take a breath in the second half and, um, you know, credit to, my team, they they don't they don't back down and they don't stop playing. Um, they play hard the whole time, and you know they kind of looked at it as a challenge to you know we had knocked off um, Scranton and then we had to you know turn around and, and go against the number two team in the country, and so they just figured you know what what do they have to lose? Well, what's really interesting is you held them to three for twenty one from beyond the arc. So combine the two games, four for thirty nine from beyond the arc. Clearly. Um, outside defense in those two team, two games was important. Uh, has that been your bread and butter this season? Um, you know, we actually have been, uh, you know, those two games, I don't know if we got a little lucky. I don't know if it was a little bit of, of defensive pressure, a little bit of both. Um, but it just, from the time that I've kind of taken over the program and I learned this from um, Coach Morgan, who I worked with before, you know, defending if you can defend and put that effort in, then you're going to have a chance in every game. Um, so we, you know, our girls have really bought into that and they take pride in that part of it. And, you know, they actually have a motto this year that says defend to the end. So they're going to defend the whole game until that last possession and, and hope that the defense is going to come up with that stop um, that's going to get us the win. Talking to Coach Kate Pearson here of the Cabrini Cavaliers. Team is 10-3 and overall, 4-0 and in CSAC play. We'll talk about the CSAC here coming up. I should have pointed out, by the way, when we were talking about the Scranton win, of course, that is your alma mater, um, where you got your BA and I believe your master's as well. So certainly 
uh, you have quite a bit of experience uh, with Scranton in many ways. You probably knew exactly what they might be doing on offense and defense. Um, even with a coaching change, a lot stays the same. But looking at your squad, you've got just two seniors on this team, and you're ten and three. Um, certainly, all signs point that this is, uh, and, and they have pointed under your tutelage so far that this is certainly a team that's going to stay good for a while. Um, Amber Keys leading the team at seventeen and a half points a game and eleven point two rebounds while shooting forty five percent. Um, you've got Megan Decker at 8.9 points a game. Dana Peterson at 8.8 points a game. Aaron Dodd at 7.8 points a game. We could go down through the rest of the list. You certainly play quite a few players. But uh, the Amber Keys, Megan Decker show is certainly what it appears, and I should say Dana Peterson as well. How, how, do, you, how, do, you, you know, how do you guys execute? Is this, do you try and play the inside-outside game, taking advantage of Keys? Or is it one of those deals where you see what the defense presents yourself and go get them in another direction? Um, I mean, you know, it's a little bit of everything. It's definitely Amber Keys is a tremendous player, and she's, in my opinion, you know, I'm going to be a little biased, but one of the better post players, you know, not only in our in our um, region, but I think across the country. And she's just really, really tough um, to defend. She has really committed since the, the improvement in her play from her freshman year until her junior year has been remarkable and a credit to her hard work so we do you know a lot of things to try and get her the ball but under you know communicate to everybody else they have to understand that teams are going to throw two and three people at her so that everybody else has to kind of be ready to step up um amber keys and, and megan decker have been um you know great assets to the program and their leadership um on the court both of them play so hard and Megan Decker is what we call a stat stuffer in that, you know, she is just going to fill every stat line between steals, rebounds, assists. Um, sometimes she'll score the, the high points. Sometimes she might only get two baskets, but she's still really important on the court. And their chemistry together is um, something that you can't teach. They just know where each other are um, and have been able to kind of put that together, um, you know, well. And then, you know, we talked about we struggled to start the season, and it was a little bit because we lost four seniors, and three of them started for four years. So it was a matter of these other kids just kind of stepping into new roles. And we're hoping that that is what's going on now is they're figuring out their roles and, you know, getting comfortable with those, and they're all playing together, which is really important because, you know, you mentioned Aaron Dodds. We actually lost her to an ACL. We've had some kids with sicknesses with uh injuries and different people are stepping up on different days which is what's making the difference for us right now sure yeah i meant to mention aaron dodd had played in just six games so far this season and what i find interesting is you we look at the csac first off you're on top at four and oh maculata's behind you at three and oh and six and six overall marywood gwyneth mercy keystone all three and one newman two and one etc as we go down the list but you guys, along with Marywood, are the only ones with above 500 records. The CSAC is certainly tough in the sense that you're not always going to face the competition you do with Scranton and you did with Thomas Moore or others out of conference. You just got done beating Cairn 103-33, um, to 33, um, and I'm sure that was one that keeping the foot off the accelerator was a little bit hard to do. How do you keep this team focused on the task at hand when you do have opponents like Cairn, 
um, that just aren't able to put up the same kind of, uh, of game that you see in other opponents out of conference? Yeah, that's why we really um, tried to, you know, go out of conference and play some tough teams so that we kind of get a feel for, for what we're made of. And what's been great to see is, you know, the last two years, I, you know, I've been proud of their showing in the NCAA tournament. Um, we The one year, first year, and we took Catholic to a close game, you know, last year. Um, we won the first round and took Montclair to overtime. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, stepping up outside of the league that's important. And in the league, we just try to talk about every day and making sure that they're pushing each other in practice um, so that they're prepared for those things and, you know, never taking any team lightly because you never know on any given night what's going to happen. And we just have a lot of teams that are, um, you know, struggling a little bit in some rebuilds with some young kids. So they just need that time to get there. And we're trying to, like you said, play on that experience and continue to kind of keep things going as best we can. Of course, you have Notre Dame uh, coming up as well. Um, here on Tuesday in conference play. Then Marywood, uh, aforementioned Marywood, obviously the team that is sitting uh, just behind you by a game in conference play, looming after that. Um, You guys also have moved into the Atlantic region now um, with realignment and such. has, Has that even crossed your mind on how that will be a little bit different when it comes to regional rankings and the chance of making the NCAA tournament as an at-large if you need it, or furthermore, the chance of hosting? Um, a little bit. You know, it's our, like you said, it's our first year in that Atlantic region, so with scheduling and things like that, it hasn't didn't really factor into um, too, man, too much last year as we were going into the schedule. Um, we really just try to talk about focusing on what we need to do in conference and trying to take care of conference play, win the conference so we don't have to worry about the, you know, the at-large and, um, and going forward. And, you know, it's great to, um, you know, talk about rankings, it's great to talk about those things, but we try just to focus on one day at a time, um, play the best that we can, and hope that it all kind of takes care of itself. Uh, Cavaliers obviously off to a good start this season, as we mentioned. 10-3, and three, shouldn't say start, we're at the halfway point. Ten and three yeah. here, and got in and uh, in overall four and zero oh in conference action. And obviously, we talked. You know, you've you've faced some good teams, and is it a bit of almost memory uh, or muscle memory? I talk to coaches who take part in the Hoopsville Classic and say, "Listen, I'm not going to see this team until March, but this is one of those things where I can say, hey, remember that team we played back in November? That's the team we're going to be playing.' Similar like." in March. Is that what you're going to have to do with your team? Almost do a little muscle memory. Hey, remember when we played Scranton? Okay, so this appointment, this opponent, should we make the NCAA tournament? That's who we're playing this week. Yeah, we, you know, once we get to that point, we um, just kind of talk about, you know, we, we hold on to scouting reports from the year so that in case we need to revisit them once we get to there. Um, but again, just really, really focusing on the conference and then, you know, not trying to get too hard, uh, hard, far ahead of ourselves so that when we get to um, hopefully to the conference playoffs that we take care of business and then have the opportunity if we're lucky enough to advance the NCAA tournament then we just kind of you know get back to work once we get to that point. Well I appreciate you coming on the show and chatting with us uh, taking time to talk about your Cavaliers squad uh, certainly 10 and 3 and, and, and a win over Scranton and near win over or Thomas Moore certainly are ones that we've got our eyes on and I certainly Tip of the hat. Uh, of course, I should point out after the near win over Thomas Moore, you came back and dispatched Ithaca the next day in rather good fashion. That's a pretty good squad 
in themselves as well. Uh, before we let you go, though, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? I just want to reiterate, you know, what the first coach is saying. Thank you guys for everything you do and just wish all the um, coaches across the country best of luck as we head into the grind of, you know, January, February <laughs> conference play and hope that, uh, you know, everybody continues on. Very good. Well, thanks so much, Coach. Good luck the rest of the season, and uh, we'll look forward to watching the Cavaliers the rest of the way as well. Thank you so much. Take care. Kate Pearson joining us again here on Hoop So Appreciate her taking the time to do so. Um, you know, again, I mean, look at that. You get the big win over Scranton. You nearly beat Thomas Moore. You come back and win by 17 over Thomas Moore, or I should say over Ithaca. Started the season a little rough, sure, but the rest of the season's got some really nice high marks there. Conference play is going to be challenging in the sense that uh, they're not going to face the toughest of opponents. I mean, Notre Dame is a Notre Dame is a great example of that. Karen is a great example of that. The, the, the CSAC on the women's side is certainly um, not as challenging as many conferences. It's not as challenging as it is on, in men's conferences either, but certainly improving on the men's side. We'll see how things uh, shape up, as it were, or take form as they do in the CSAC. Um, again, the CSAC's got the centenaries of New Jersey and the Notre Dame, Rosemont, Cairn, Baptist Bible, all those schools well below 500, Cedar Crest. Uh, Newman is a game below 500. Keystone's a half game below 500. Gwen and Mercy's a half game over 500. Marywood's four games over 500. Immaculata's at 500 in Cabrini. As we mentioned, sitting at 10-3. and three. Uh, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll jump out to the central region and talk to a man who's certainly happy right now, but not maybe for his basketball team. We'll talk to Gary Gresh of uh, St. Norbert here coming up. My question to him, so good last year, lost so much of that team last year. How are they still so good now? I'm trying to buy in as a top 25 voter. Can he convince me? You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. When we come back, Gary Gress joins me to talk about his Green Knights. We'll be back with more Hoops Hill right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself you know, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you 
With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. It is Sunday, January 11th. Our show here, we heard our second Sunday show of the season. Uh, plenty of guests so far. We want to thank so far our guests uh, from Emory uh, and, of course, uh, Babson Men's Basketball. And, of course, just got done talking. Cabrini Cavaliers Basketball on the women's side. Appreciate everybody for joining us so far on this one. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at d3hoops.com, Facebook us at facebook.com slash hoopsville. You can even join us uh, on the chat room on the player page. Uh, if you take a look at that, uh, I don't, yeah, Des Bryant made a great play. Um, <laughs> that's going to be interesting coming up. Tracy, I see what your point is, but, you know, we're talking basketball here. Um, of course, you can also join us on the show page as well. That's your other option as well. We certainly appreciate you taking the time. If you have to comment or ask us questions, you can do so throughout the show. One of the things I certainly had a question about is just how good is St. Norbert this year? It's kind of funny because last year I thought they were a pretty darn good team and had them pretty well ranked in the top 25 on my poll. Uh, others disagreed with me. They progressively continue to have a good season course as we always said was going to run into a tough challenge in the NCAA tournament and did this year lost a lot of talent from last year's squad they're off to another terrific start I'm on the flip side of things now I'm the guy going but really can they really be that good what am I missing what don't I see here so I figured we better talk to the man who might have some of the answers there he also might have an answer on whether Des Bryant's catch should have counted because he was at the game Gary Gresh from St. Norbert joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate you having me on. Abs and it, it was definitely not not a catch. <laughs> yeah, you you would say that as a Green Bay Packer fan, though, right? <laughs> absolutely, but, absolutely. Listen, as a Chicago Bears fan, I really didn't have any dog in the fight. I didn't want either team to win. I wanted literally H-E double hockey sticks to, to, to freeze over and the game to end at halftime. <laughs> Um, listen, your, your team is certainly off to a terrific start. You're number 20 in the country. Um, certainly plenty of voters have got their attention on the green Knights. I'm the one, as I said in the intro, skeptical. Cause I'm like, well, but they were good last year and they lost all of this talent. How could they still be good this year? And, and, and winning 11, one and, or being 11 and one and, and winning big games when they needed to. And, and, and stemming the tide of a Grinnell team. How do you hold 75 points to Grinnell and score 102? I mean, there are tons of questions, so i got to come on. How good are you guys this year? Well, I think that uh, it, it remains to be seen. But <laughs> up until this point, I, I think we've proven ourselves to be pretty efficient. We've played a, a pretty good non-conference schedule. We've played two schools, uh, the WEAC, UW Oshkosh, um, Eau Claire. Um, we've played North Park, who's having a – a very good non-conference season. They've started out a little bit slow in CCIW play, but 
uh, a very good team. Um, and then our Christmas tournament, we ended up beating St. Scholastica in the first round and lost to a, a very good John Carroll team. We, we were without one of our guards, and I don't know if he would have made a dis- difference, but Austin <laughs> Elliott was hurt for that game. And that's the one blemish on our record. I know we were fortunate to, to sneak out of Lake Forest with a triple overtime win. We, we were down seven with two minutes to go, but found a way to, to win that game. So, you know, our record says we're we're 11-1, and one, so um, that speaks to itself to a certain extent, but there's a lot of games left in the season. We, we did lose a lot of kids off of last year's team, five, five seniors and four starters, so there were some questions coming into this year. When I look at this team, I mean, again, you point out last year, you, you go into the NCAA tournament having just one loss. You were 24-1. Uh, and, and one. You beat Ohio Wesley in 87-79, um, which certainly turned enough heads. Uh, I think a lot of people thought, including myself, you could get past the Titans of Illinois Wesley, and that was not to be. Um, it seemed like outside shooting may have done you in a little bit in that one. I don't remember off the top of my head. So a tough way to lose a season at 25-2, and two, and you come roaring back this season, as you point out, losing five players and four starters. Uh, what's in the water uh, up there in, in, in De, De Prierre, uh Wisconsin? Well, I think, uh, yeah, I think, for, first of all, you start with the seniors and, and their leadership. Um, the three seniors that we have this year were all key contributors on last year's team, and Andrew Schwerer, you know, came off the bench for us, but was really a starter. He was our, our third leading scorer. So you start with the three seniors and their leadership, and they wanted to kind of write their own chapter to this year's season. They were always key parts and key components of other successful teams, but they wanted to kind of write their own chapter for this year's group, and they've done a great job. Those three guys have started every game and have been our leading scorers um, for us pretty much throughout the year. have been very steady and provided great leadership for our younger guys. So we got a good mix with those three seniors, a couple of juniors, a couple of sophomores, and a couple of freshmen that are that are in the rotation right now for us. And then I think you start with, with our system. You know, we really haven't tweaked or changed too much year to year. So I think our kids kind of know what to expect from year to year, and we just kind of get better within the system. And certainly their roles will change um, from year to year, but how we play and how we go about things has pretty much been been constant over the years. Andrew Schwarer is your leading scorer, 17.4 points a game, 8.6 rebounds a game. By the way, shoots 62% from the floor, 76% free throw shooter, so you don't want to put him on the line either. Um, Austin Elliott has got 14.7 points a game. Um, Steven uh, Hofacker. Uh, 11.7 points a game, six rebounds a game. Brian Dalton, nine points a game, five and a half rebounds a game. By the way, Hofacker, I hope I say his name correctly, also yep. shooting 62% from the floor. Everybody shoots well from the free throw line. That's certainly a nice bonus as well. You talk about getting contributions from all these guys. What's been the attitude from them? I mean, is this just one of those where it's kind of – you pick up your boots and you go to work, or are they having fun? Or what's been the attitude on the team? Well, yeah, I think they're they're having fun. Um, I think our job is to kind of keep them keep them grounded and keep them humble and sure. really take it one one game at a time. I think they're a pretty pretty mature group, so they don't let the highs get too high and they don't let the lows get too low. Um, so they've they've had a good workmanlike attitude about them. Um, they come to practice and work hard every day. I think our staff is pretty consistent. They know what they're going to get out of our coaching staff each day, and we 
to get out of the kids each day at practice and pretty much um, has carried over to the games. I'm a pretty firm believer how you practice is how you're going to play in the games, and they prepare themselves well each and every day in practice, and it's it's carried over the games for us. I think they're fun. Um, certainly they're they're enjoying the season that they're having, but they're also a pretty mature group and pretty, pretty level-headed. Talking to Gary Gresh here, the men's basketball head coach at St. Norbert, 20th-ranked team in the country. Um, of course, got just a big win over Lawrence, 81-72, just the other day. Um, that's important to conference play. You guys have a one-game lead in conference over Monmouth. Uh, Rippon is a game and a half back. Grinnell is lurking. Uh, Carroll, Lake Forest, et cetera, back there. But right now it's a Rippon-Monmouth-St. Norbert show in sense of overall records. How do you see this conference shaping up this year? Well, I think there's a, a lot of parity. Um, now, we've, we've gone through uh, seven games so far, and, and we've been in some close games. The Grinnell score was... Uh, a little bit misleading. Um, certainly, we, we could have dropped a game at Lake Forest. Um, I think we caught Monmouth at home the first conference game of the year and played one of our best games, and they they haven't lost since then within the league. Um, so I think the conference is, is really balanced, and we were in a dogfight with Lawrence um, the other night at their place. I think um, we were up four points at the half and ended up winning by nine. So I, I think the conference is pretty balanced. Um, you know, we only take the top four teams in, in the conference tournament. So um, I think a lot is going to get settled over the next couple of weeks. I think there's a log jam um, for those top four spots. And uh, how it shakes out remains to be seen. But for us, I think it's just kind of taking one game at a time and, you know, having that mature attitude and going about our work each day in practice. Some of your games have some fascinating scores associated with them. You you look at the Monmouth game you just talked about. You played them at home and won. But it was 75-47. Um, the next game you take on Lake Forest three days later on the road, 111-103. That's not the score I would have associated in this conference with that team. And then two games later, you take on Grinnell, and you somehow hold them to 75 while scoring 102. That's just a wacky year so far. It is. It, it is. Um, you know, uh, I, I think on any night, if, if you're not ready to play – you can very easily get beaten by any team in our league. And at the same time, if we play like we're capable of, um, well, we're capable of playing some pretty good basketball. So I guess it just depends a lot on the night. Um, certainly being at home is a big advantage within our league. There's a lot of travel, um, some overnight trips between the north and the south. So I think anytime you, you win on the road, it's a good thing. And then you try to take care of business at home. How do you hold a system team to 75 points while putting up 102 on your own? Well, you know, we we've used to play them uh, pretty much man-to-man, and um, we're not as deep, quite as deep as we have been in the past. So we've actually gone to more of a, a zone against them uh, to try to keep our guys out of foul trouble, um, even though they shoot a lot of threes. If you play man-to-man, they do a great job of driving the ball into your heart of your defense, and then all of a sudden your point guard or a couple of your guards are picking up a couple of cheap fouls. So we've tried to play them a little bit more zone the last couple of years. Um, with some man principles, and it's worked out pretty well for us. Yeah, they took 61 of their 81 shots from beyond the arc and only hit 16 of them. That certainly helps as well. I, was, I do want to ask, though, you kind of hinted at it there. When you do play a, a program twice a year that is running the system, and, of course, they're running the system everybody else wants to run now, even though they didn't create it. It was certainly they've had an you know their own version of it, but it's the most popular. Do you... 
and you kind of talked about a man-to-man defense. Do you kind of slide into your own type of system playing in those games, or do you really have to be good at playing your program and playing, quote-unquote, your system, as it were, and not worry about the opponent's uh, way of play? Yeah, it's a really unique game, a unique game prep, um, a lot of press breaker, a lot of transition defense, um, taking care of the ball is at a premium because they press. Uh, communication because they sub every minute and a half. They have three lines of five. Right. Um, but at the same time, it, we, we try to reinforce to our guys that it's still basketball. The rules are the same. It's still five and five. But there is a unique twist to it just because of the style of play and the number of possessions within the game. Uh, another game that stood out to me was the loss you guys had to to John Carroll, as you point out. They're off. They're certainly having a good season. Uh, this is usually this has been a perennial NCAA tournament team and had had a couple rough years, but they're on the rebound. They're nine and three on the season. You lose by ten in that one on your home floor at your holiday tournament. Uh, is that just a game of exhaustion, or is John Carroll that good? Tell us a little, maybe a little bit about John Carroll. Well, I, I think they're very good, um, and certainly they played well against us, and the better team won that night. Um, they're a little bit like Grinnell, probably not as frenetic of a pace, but they, they really push the ball and get up and down. Um, they'll sub two lines, um, two platoons of five every every couple of minutes. So they have nice depth. They have, uh, Even though they shoot a, a fair amount of threes, they also have a couple of inside guys that gave us a lot of problems. And our, our league might be a little bit more perimeter-oriented than John Carroll was, and that's the first time that we've really seen that size and physicality and depth, really. So it was a good test for us. You never want to take a loss, but I think in the long run, um, learning from that experience will help us going forward. Uh, talking to Gary Gretsch here of St. Norbert, number 20 ranked team in the country. Games, of course, coming up for you guys. Uh, it's all conference action, no surprise there. Uh, you've got Beloit coming up at home and, of course, Knox at home before hitting the road to play Carroll and Monmouth. Um, what do you expect from Beloit? What do you expect from Knox in the next week? Well, Beloit and Knox just played each other on Saturday, so I was able to watch that um, over the Internet, uh, a live feed, and certainly we, we exchange films with each other. So Beloit is a good program. They have two, two perimeter uh, scorers, um, Bentley and McAfee, that are very capable scorers. Um, those are kind of the key guys for Beloit. They're traditionally a man-to-man team and run a lot of good motion. So um, they're very well coached. I, I think the coaching within our conference, there's not a lot of um, – games that are just given away um, you're going to have to play good ball within our league to, to earn wins and I think Beloit and Knox certainly fit that bill as well um, is this a kind of conference I mean you're in position and I hate to say this and I don't want to you know jinx it you're in a position where you can distance yourself a little bit certainly Monmouth is right there with you but you can distance yourself and kind of get yourself in position for the conference tournament well enough in advance. Is this the kind of year you can do that, or are we going to get some sleepers here later in the season? As far as the other four teams or ourselves? or In general. Well, I, I yeah, I think there's 11 games left, so a lot can happen. Um, I think, um, you know, we've been in, in this position before. Um, our guys have had the mature attitude, taking it one game at a time. Um, but a lot can happen, you know, different injuries or teams get hot or you catch them on the right, right night. Um, you go on the road, certainly going on the road and winning is tough within the conference. So um, I think there's going to be a lot that gets sorted out here over the next couple of weeks. And 
Um, you start out with small goals. You want to qualify for the conference tournament because only the top four teams make that. Uh, once you achieve that goal, the next one would would obviously be win the conference championship and earn the right to host host those uh, conference tournament semifinal games. Would be great. Um, the other thing too that's interesting is, of course, the, mid, the central region used to be Midwest region has been renamed Central, uh, like the women. It got a little crowded as uh, certainly HCAC left, but the WIAC jumps into play just like it is on the women's side. You guys have you know, we've talked in the past about how it's tough to be in this in this region uh, and get noticed because you have the CCIWs, you have the UAA teams in Chicago and WashU. Now you've got the WIAC mixed in here. How I mean, not that that affects you in the NCAA tournament, because let's be honest, you play those teams anyway, considering where you're located in Wisconsin. But right. now, how hard is it to get noticed regionally, rank wise? Well, I think it's extremely difficult. You talk about the field that already existed, and then you talked about um, adding the the state schools, the WIA conference. Um, you know, last year we had a pretty pretty special year, and I think um, with the one loss um, late in the year. Um, we were getting regionally ranked, but but not very high. So, um, you know, our goal last year was to finish the year strong with one loss and have a chance to host a regional, and that did not come to fruition. We ended up playing a, a neutral floor game against Ohio Wesleyan and then had to play Illinois Wesleyan on their floor. So um, it just speaks to the depth and the quality within the, the Midwest, the central region now. And of course, the Midwest Conference—you're not playing every single game, every single team twice. Now you've gone to an off-balance schedule, kind of like the ODAC has. You do get five out-of-conference schedules instead of or games instead of having just three. There's basically um, a couple games freed up for yourself. So, how careful is it now to, to to schedule accordingly? Oh, it's it's very important. You want to test yourself if you think you're going to have a quality team. You want to test yourself with good opponents and good games and help your strength of schedule. Um, I think the other thing that hurts us a little bit too is that we're limited to 23 games instead of the normal 25. Um, that's, a, that's a conference rule. So we'll play 18 conference games, and then we'll try to play five tough non-conference opponents to, to test us, but then also to help our strength of schedule, hopefully. This probably doesn't affect you guys, and this is a little bit of a, a strange question. We have the NCAA convention coming up. Midwest Conference is part of a group of three conferences who have supported, and we don't know if it's going through yet uh, to even be voted on, but have supported the idea of cutting back games 10%. In basketball, it would mean cutting the schedule by one game down to 24 max and taking out one of the scrimmage games. You point out, you're down to 23 anyway, so it's interesting that the Midwest Conference brings this to the table anyway. Are you a fan of the idea of cutting the schedule? Again, it may not affect you guys since you're still below the, the max, as it were, anyway. But are sure. you a fan of taking a game off the schedule? Or if you're a coach of another sport, as many as four games off the schedule? Well, I wouldn't go to take four four games off the schedule. Certainly. Other sport. Um, <laughs> right, right. But I, I do think there's enough games over the Christmas and the holiday breaks that – um, if it's because of missed class time, I think there's enough games, um, enough game dates within that calendar year to schedule the, the 25 games. I don't think that would be a reason for me to, to limit it to 23 games or 24 games or to, to reduce it. So, um, you know, I don't know all the rationale behind it. Um, I like the model as it is now. Um, if there's cost-saving um, measures um, behind the reasoning, um, that's probably 
athletic directors and the presidents to decide. But I know within our conference, um, it's a little bit difficult because of the, the travel on the weekends. But I think there's enough games within the calendar year to get your 25 in. I was going to say, would you like to get your two games back, as it were, in this conference? Would you like to have 25 games and not be limited to 23? Is that is that one that's constantly up in conversation? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think all the coaches within the league would like to play the full complement and give us uh, two scrimmages instead of the one that we get now. Um, it gives you more an opportunity to schedule some, some quality non-conference games within the region, um, and, and that would help um, possibly with the regional rankings because you'd have an opportunity to schedule some of those tougher non-conference opponents. Well, I appreciate your point of view. Obviously, the Midwest Conference, again, one of the three conferences who have brought this to the table. We don't know if it's being voted on yet as it went back to the NCA for other reasons. We'll find out here later next week. Um, Coach, appreciate you coming on the show. I know you're a happy man with your Packers moving on to the uh, NFC Championship game, of course, uh, in Seattle. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? No, I'm just uh, thankful for the kids that we have in the program. I appreciate everything you do for Division Three basketball, Dave. Um, our, our three seniors, again, Andrew Schwer, Austin Elliott, and Stephen Holpacker. I couldn't be happier for those guys um, and the way they've started out this season. Very well said, Coach. Congratulations on the season so far. We'll look forward to watching the Knights as, they, as you guys march through the season the rest of the way, again with Beloit and Knox coming up, and good luck. Okay. Thanks a lot, Dave. Take care. Gary, right. take care. Great. Gary Gresh joining us here on Hoopsville. Appreciate him taking the time. Again, Green Knights 11-1 overall, 7-0 in conference play. They got Beloit Knox coming up at home this week on the road against Carroll and Monmouth. They'll round out the season at home against Rippon and Carroll. I should say round out the month at home against Rippon and Carroll. So uh, for their next six at home, they will finish up three of their next uh, three of their last five at home. Uh, so certainly home court will be uh, important uh, at St. Norbert the rest of the way as they look to lock up the conference and get into the conference tournament as well. Appreciate him taking the time to join us. A um, few minutes left in the show. We'll wrap it up with a few notes on what's going on, anything else that has caught our attention. Um, first and foremost, um, Again, the NCAA convention is coming up this week. That will actually mean a little bit of a different hoopsville. We'll put the show on at 7 o'clock. However, it will not be live. We will pre-record the show um, throughout the week, talking to guests uh, and get that ready for you. So that will come. we'll put that together and air it at 7 o'clock on Thursday. If there's any change to that, we will certainly keep you abreast of those changes. But that is the plan as of now. Um, so again, look for the show Thursday at seven o'clock. However, the difference—that's just when we'll release it. Um, it just won't be live. It will be on our normal page, etc. If you were to start the show at seven o'clock, it will go. We, we will assume it's normal time. Uh, we will also debut our school of the week on Thursday. We have our ideas for guests, but if you have ideas for guests for us that fit our school of the week, or maybe our coaches' corner segment, etc., tweet us. At D3 Hoopsville, use the hashtag Hoopsville. Facebook us, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can even email us at Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. We'll then be back on the air like we normally are on Sunday at 7 o'clock Eastern time a week from tonight. Don't forget um, that we have a couple special shows also uh, going on, but uh, we look like we're going to be traveling 
uh, in two weeks' time, how that will affect Hoopsville will be determined on where we end up going. Um, I'm still working on that. Um, and here's a trick. We're not going to tell everybody. I, I, I got an idea from a couple of coaches that it might be kind of cool to not tell anybody where we're headed to catch games and, and have you follow along and try and figure it out for yourself. We tested a little bit in December, um, so look for the hashtag Hoopsville, obviously. Look for the hashtag Where's DMAC as well. And you can follow where we're going. I've, I've literally mapped out three or three, maybe even four ideas both on paper and in my head of what I might do. I still haven't configured it out. Some are wacky to the point that you're you're probably not going to be able to guess where we are because we're going to throw some curveballs uh, to the very simple where it might be pretty obvious where we're headed uh, and, and in between of that too. Um, so anyway, we're looking to do that. How that will affect Hoopsville, we're not sure. We're not sure if that will affect the 22nd show on Thursday because we will be driving at the time or flying at the time or, or something to that effect. We're not positive. We might do the show live, then take off the next day and figure out where we're headed. It may affect that Sunday, the 25th show, because we may not be back yet from our travels, but we might. At the same time, we'll do interviews while we're out at sites as long as we have time before we want to get to another event. That's the tricky part. So keep an eye on things. Follow on Twitter and Facebook. We'll try and give you an idea. But just follow that how that affects Hoopsville. Uh, certainly want you to, you know, to, to understand. We, we love doing the show here in studio. We love doing it live, but we also want to go on the road. The fundraiser allowed us to do that for this year, and we promised you at least one trip. We might do two outside of our normal travels. We will see, all depending on how things kind of shape up. Um, but lots of ideas out there, and we're still trying to figure them all out. As it were. So just stay with us. We'll see what, what goes on and how we figure it out. So just those are some of the special twists of the show. We're also looking for that one hour or that 12 hour show, I should say, uh, on a Thursday later in, in this month. Most likely the 29th is what we're looking at. We're still figuring out details. Uh, also, of course, we have special shows later in February. We're also probably going to officially launch. We've been trying for a week to officially launch our, our this year's fundraiser. Uh, to be honest with you, lower key um, fundraiser, but we will put it out there and just keep an eye on that uh, as well. Uh, as we wrap up the show, if you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, they certainly, uh, all of them, more than uh, happy to try and answer your questions um, throughout. want to thank our guests in the meantime, of course, from Emery, Jason Zimmerman, from Babson, Stephen Brennan. Um, from Cabrini, Kate Pearson, and of course from St. Norbert just got done talking to Gary Gresh. Appreciate the time that they took today to join us. Again, we'll have guests lined up for next week. We have them uh, on a piece of paper. We'll start sending emails out. Show again will not be live next week. Uh, a reminder, I looked this up twice and then forgot to keep it up uh, on my computer, so give me a moment to look it up. But we will not get regional rankings for just a little bit of time here. Um, again, we're down to three regional rankings. Uh, would love to have a fourth, to be honest with you, but just don't know if that's going to happen. Um, first regional rankings, believe it or not, is February 11. So we're a month away from regional rankings. The second set will be February 18th. The third set, February 25th. Of course, there is a fourth set of regional rankings that are done. We just won't see them. And those will be done and ready to go on um, March 1st. It's a Sunday. 
in the March 2nd. So, again, we won't see them. But the first regional rankings won't come out until February 11. Uh, I would argue I'd love to see one on February 4 as well. I don't think four regional public rankings, now that we're into a once-ranked, always-ranked system, is a bad deal. SOS numbers certainly will be more stable by that point in time. It's not a, a, It won't hurt anything, as it were. So I'd love to see uh, a little bit more of that. We will see if that happens, certainly, uh, down the road. No, um, no, no promises. NCA convention should point out. We talked to Gary Gresh there just a moment ago to get his take on things. The ten percent reduction. There's there's budgetary things that will ha- affect the championships, um, not in tremendous ways, but in in subtle ways. Um, there's a lot on the table. Follow us. Follow us at D Three Hoops. Will also follow us at Dave McHugh later this week as we are at the convention uh, to watch what is going on. We'll try and conduct some interviews that are important. We'll try and conduct, and we'll certainly tweet and and give you updates as to what bills are at the table, what's being voted on, what might be said. We're still working on the details of what we will be doing there at the NCA convention, which is outside Washington D.C. But we will be there Thursday, Friday, and part of Saturday. Really, Saturday kind of wraps things up and I'll go heading back up I-95 and get to a couple basketball games in the meantime but um, keep an eye on things we'll certainly keep uh, track of things we'll be getting there Thursday morning and leaving there on Saturday at some point so uh, we'll be tweeting what's going on we'll again be conducting as many interviews as we possibly can and talking with people there uh, at the convention I think that's going to do it for us here as we go a couple minutes into overtime. Um, Again, Top 25 comes out tomorrow for men and women. I think there's a lot on the table to discuss. There's going to be a new men's basketball number one, one would assume. Who knows? Maybe some people hold on to their votes for WashU considering, you know, we said a couple weeks ago when WashU became the number one team that they, if they had lost their game against Illinois Wesleyan, there could be six teams receiving first place votes. There could be four teams or more receiving first place votes this week. It all depends on how everybody sees things out. You know the three who've got Augustana as number one will stay that way. I doubt everybody will just dump down to Augustana as their number one team. Uh, I think there's going to be, for top 25 voters, a, a tough decision on who they think their number one team is this this week will be uh, up for up for debate. So we'll find out what happens and, and keep an eye on it and see how it all transgresses, as, as it were. I just made up a word, most likely, as well. Again, thanks to our uh, coaches who came on the show. Thanks to our sports information directors for helping us out as well. We'll be uh, off the air until Thursday. Again, we'll pre-tape the show and put it up on the air Thursday at 7 o'clock, so keep an eye out for that. Twitter, at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com and on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. That's going to wrap it up for today. Appreciate you tuning in. Thanks you, Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you down the road as well. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. All rights of this broadcast are by DMAC Productions and, of course, myself. You cannot use it without the express written percent, uh, consent of DMAC Productions or myself. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Have a good evening, and we'll see you back here Thursday night, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. Hoopsville. See you back here in a week.